0: We started in hard times to bring us all in. Welcome to Public Power Underground, the Pub, the Public Power's premier infotainment program that covers public power and public power adjacent news from a power department's perspective. I'm Karen Heim, editor at large of the Public Power Underground, an honorary member of the Power Department, office administrator for the Public Power Council, and today's celebrity guest host.
1: And I'm Dan Catchpole, associate editor and journalist for Clearing Up and Paul wants me to note that I once interviewed Muhammad Ali, not for clearing up though, unfortunately. Uh, and oh, this week, I am the podcast ambassador from uh, Newsdata. Very happy to be here. Thanks for having me, as always.
2: I'm Klatskan I, PUD's power analyst, a founding contributor of Public Power Underground. And though I've never been even next to the greatest of all time, I am the current Genesis Apprenticesist and the co-founder Co-founder of, co-star for today's episode, Ian Bledsoe. I think I, I think I said my name twice there, but
3: we've got to get it in there. I'm the creative director of Public Power Underground, manager of Clatskanie IPUD's Power Department, and today's producer, uh, Paul Dockery. Dun, dun, dun,
0: dun. you should also note Dan did not get to uh, interview Muhammad Ali for Public Power Underground. Either,
1: so. He didn't. Not Yeah, yet. yeah, yeah no. that was that's unfortunate. <laughs> he unfortunate. passed away long before.
0: <laughs> didn't no overlap aberration. yeah uh, would have been a cool thing all right well this is the season four premiere new year new season back to work uh but before we get started let's take a quick word from our sponsor take it away paul
3: the presenting sponsor of public power underground is the energy authority the energy authority is a non-profit energy portfolio management company what do we mean by nonprofit? well te-owned TEA is owned by public power entities. That makes them more than just adjacent. They are as underground as it gets. They got that in there. They know who they're writing for in here. Uh, TEA's mission is to help clients maximize the value of their assets and meet their power supply goals. TEA does this by providing expertise in energy trading, advanced analytics, renewable solutions, and a whole lot more. Over 60 other public power utilities have partnered with TEA to tackle their energy future. So if you're looking for one of your uh, our own one of our own to partner with in navigating the uncertain future of our industry, visit teainc.org. That's teainc.org to learn more.
0: Thanks, Paul. And thanks to our new sponsor, TEA for coming on this journey with us. It's a new they, s-
3: they knew it was going to be a journey, didn't they? They knew it was
0: going to be a journey. <laughs> well, if they didn't, they do now.
3: <laughs> yeah, they do now. I'm, they, we, we got some fans at TEA, so they kind of knew, I think.
0: Yeah. Maybe
3: not fans. their comms folks.
0: <laughs> Maybe the word didn't spread that far
3: we're
1: we're informed and very endearing so
0: if if nothing else which is yeah yeah that makes
1: up for a lot it does it does
0: We have got a great episode for you today where we try to cover some news that's come up since we last recorded in 2021. As always, we'll cover market indicators on Aaron Reports with Ian Reporting, and we'll try out a new format and a new name as we TLDR our way through through news in a segment we're calling Short Circus. This week, a name recommended by Friend of the Underground and Director of Member Solutions at Pioneer Utility Resources, Jonathan Farmer. Next week, we're going to try out Chris Allen's recommendation for as a title for the segment. So make sure you don't miss it by subscribing on Substack at publicpowerunderground.substack.com to make sure you don't miss it.
3: Okay. Now, th- th- certainly it's a new season. We've got like three weeks off. And I will say my writing, not quite up to point yet. I, I have... I, it does take me a few episodes to get back into the, you know, how the people flow. actually talk. Yeah. It's coming along. It'll it'll come it'll come through. Don't worry. All
0: right. Well, we are starting this week like most weeks checking in on power market indicators in the Northwest with our first segment, Aaron Reports with Ian Reporting.
2: This is Aaron Reports with Ian Reporting where we try to get up to speed on Northwest market indicators for January 10th, 2022. I'm Ian Bledsoe and I've got your market update for the week. October through September flows at the Dalles for water year 2022 are currently forecasted to be 104% of normal, and April through September is at 102% of normal. Outflow at the the Dalles peaked over the past week at 236 KCFS on January 4th. Day-ending elevation at Grand Coulee Friday was 12,083.6, and peak outflow this past week was 161 KCFS on January 6th. Spock market power in the Northwest for delivery today is at 55.50 with gas at 4.66 per mm BTU, translating to a spark spread of 22.92 and a heat rate of 11,900 BTU per kilowatt hour. In term markets, January heavy load at mid-sea is trading at 58.90 per megawatt hour. Mid-sea heavy load for February 2022 is at 52.25. February gas at Sumas is trading at 4. Dollars and sixty-three cents, translating to a heat rate of eleven thousand three hundred BTU per kilowatt hour. Checking in on Ansgarji's aggregated basin data to check on snow in the region, the snow water equivalent for BC Hydro generation basin is one hundred and forty-one, one hundred forty percent of normal. For mid sea it's one hundred and thirty-three percent. And aggregating all the snow in the Columbia River Basin that'll flow through Bonneville Dam, they estimate there's one hundred and sixty-one percent of normal mm-hmm. snow blanket. Skiing season is on in the Slice Mountains, Mm -hmm. both Whistler and Revelstoke currently have a snow base depth exceeding seven feet with almost three inches of new snow in the last 48 hours. Spending a beat at Bonneville's balancing authority, peak load this past week was about 9,400 last Wednesday at 540 p.m. During loads peak, hydro generation was at 12.8, wind gen was near zero, conventional units were at 1.2 and nuclear was 1.2 all units gigawatt hours. ENSO for the October, November, December period is at negative one oceanic Nino index. The multivariate ENSO index for November, December is negative 1.21 and the SST consolidated Nino forecast indicates that La Nina conditions are likely through spring 2022. This week in NOAA climate forecast, the six to 10 day outlook has temp above normal for most of the region. Precipitation is expected to be below or near normal the 30 and 90 day outlooks indicate temperatures probably below normal for the entire region and above average precipitation for the Northern region with the Southern halves of Oregon and Idaho looking normal. Special thanks to answer for letting us use their dashboards for Aaron reports. That's all we've got for this update.
0: Thanks for that report, Ian. Uh, so snow it's here.
3: No snow <laughs> snow. There's a light Christmas, uh, joke there that I keep reaching for. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting markets that we missed during during the off period over the holidays. Chris Allen actually emailed me, a friend of the underground, wondering where our uh, emergency podcast was to talk about the cold weather snap. And, you know, <laughs> if that happened in January, maybe we'd try it. <laughs>
0: if you could in... move it so it aligned a little better with our schedules. <laughs> yeah,
2: like if it happened on like a Wednesday in January. <laughs> He's in Hood River now, I believe. And didn't didn't they get like six or seven He's in the Dallas. Oh, okay.
3: In the Dallas. I I heard there was a
2: massive amount of snow uh, in the gorge.
3: Yeah, I have pictures from my in-laws who live in the town of North Bonneville. And there was snow covering, you know, halfway up their door uh, from... And I don't know if that was just drifts or on the level. I didn't ask. But I-84 got uh, shut down because of... Uh, multiple times slides, for right? multiple
0: reasons. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. The yeah. first time it was shut down for snow or well, snow and ice. And then the second time was for landslides. Yeah.
3: Yeah. our friends, friends in the gorge are dealing with some winter weather. Definitely. Which is a great segue, actually.
0: Oh, to uh, our weekly walkthrough of public power and public power adjacent news in the segment we like to call public power desktop. Take it away, Dan.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Karen. Uh So, Steve, my news data colleague, Steve Ernst and I uh, did a wrap up of the storm damage. Uh, the Northwest got hammered by snowstorms that shut down things for like several days and more, depending on where you were. Uh, and then there was wind that hit other areas, as you guys just mentioned. Uh, and if thousands of folks were lost power. Uh, uh let's see central Lincoln. Uh, had 10,000 out Pacific core. I uh, had 22,000 out up in uh, in Oregon. and these are still going on as folks are trying to get back in the wake of this. Uh, about 60,000 PG e customers down in California are still out from storms down there, uh, including I think where fellow news data uh, reporter Jason Fordney lives. Uh, And then like Chelan PUD is still struggling to get all of their customers back up um, among other folks in the Northwest. Uh, Demand peaked on December 27th across the region at 78 gigawatts, according to the Northwest Power Pool. Uh, While that was high, it wasn't a a new record for the winter, but we did see a lot of individual utilities set new records, including Snohomish County PD, Grant and Douglas, BC Hydro. Uh, and then the snowfall even shut down all the mountain passes, I think from, well, certainly in Washington, I think down in Oregon too, uh, and they actually, I haven't checked today. They were, I think, closed as of yesterday. Still, uh, the good thing about this is the snowpack is mentioned during Aaron reports. Uh, the snowpack, uh, is up above, back above average and. Uh, across the Northwest, we've got yeah, above average uh, water. We're expected to have an above average water year, uh, which is a nice, yeah, nice bit of news on the back of the drought that we've been struggling through. Uh, but that's not just, of course, because of a few winter storms. It's there's been sustained precipitation above average, sustained pre- precipitation since October fourth or. October 1st, uh, is another news data colleague, Casey Mahaffey, reported in the latest issue of
3: clearing up. I really uh, liked in your article the conversation you had with the Northwest Power Pool to talk about whether there were power supply issues uh, during what was a high peak event. The answer, it seems, from the Power Pool was no, we had sufficient power supply uh, did you talk to them, Dan, or was that Steve? Uh Steve talked to them. Uh Yeah. I will say one thing I heard, and I'm curious what you guys saw
1: actually. And I'd have to go back, look through my email to see who this exchange was with. But one of the PUDs uh or one of the utilities said um they didn't have, there wasn't like a price spike, but they, there were points where the spot market was like around a hundred dollars uh, and I'd have to go back and check th- what the timing was, but, uh, yeah, what was your, how, what did you guys see at Klotzka and I?
2: We were long and selling so oh, high prices. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: bad, so was it bad. a windfall
3: for you
2: guys? <laughs> no, uh, no, we uh, don't we, use
3: those types of words. What are yeah. you doing, Dan? Trying to catch us. It, no,
2: <laughs> it allowed us to provide a lot of, uh, value to our customers.
3: Now, right. uh, uh, one of the interesting things that, you know, the December 27th, the, the big demand day was on December 28th, um, mm-hmm. and you went into scheduling for that uh, on like a, th- a Thursday scheduling for a Monday, and you ended up mm-hmm. having yeah. that weekend pricing, uh, which when you're every time in, the, in a bilateral mm-hmm. market like we're in where your day ahead schedulers are scheduling like three or four days in advance, you, you see some additional conservatism and what that pricing was. And we experienced that in the forward power in the day ahead scheduling as as well. Um, but ultimately the markets were pretty uh, liquid. You know, there's yeah. resources people were trading. Um, yeah. Which Park mentioned in his, from the Northwest power
1: pool mentioned in his conversation with Steve. Yeah. But, uh, or actually, no, I'm sorry. That was, he talked to California energy markets, probably Jason. I'm not sure. Um, So listeners, public power, underground listeners. I'm curious uh, if you guys saw anything interesting going on with uh, your supply, I don't know, just anything interesting in the the greater system that folks saw, uh, or if they have any thoughts about implications uh, of the storm, lessons we can learn, yeah, please reach out to me uh, or whoever at, clearing up because uh this is one of those things that i don't know what people saw and i i right now i like i said i got hit with this flood of uh of other stuff that i is gonna take up my attention this week so i don't really have bandwidth to go around combing my sources for this so please if you saw anything interesting uh
3: hit me up you can find my contact info uh on our website yes you can or find them at Catchpool, uh, Yeah. On Twitter? I can never remember, actually. I should okay. know my own Twitter handle. I think
0: it's, I think
3: it's... Is it
1: Dcatchpole? Yeah, okay? I think so. Yeah, I yeah. think somebody has taken so.
0: <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> set it up, but it's okay. <laughs> sounds, sounds yeah. right.
1: I, you know, I, I I do the best I can.
0: You do great. I, you do great, There, there you go. At <laughs> you
1: go. on Twitter. Um, I think Paul right now is rethinking whether or not he wants to keep
3: me on Uh, public. No.
0: (laughs) All right. We're going to move on to our next one. And Paul, you are up.
3: I am up already. Holy cow. Uh, BPA has funded the Columbia Land Trust to purchase a 532 acre piece of land in I to hold as a conservation easement a restoration project is also proposed at the site that would restore the land to freshwater wetland habitat for Colombian white-tailed deer the land acquisition is part of Bonneville's fish and wildlife program and supports the agency's ongoing effort to mitigate the effects of the federal Columbia River power system you can go on BPA's website to find other similar announcements Uh, if you if you're watching us on YouTube you can see the link right there and the link will be in the show notes Uh, special thanks to our account executive Lindsay Life is for sharing the story.
0: That's great for Klatske I. Do you guys have any other commentary on that?
3: You know, I put this in here because of a uh, dear friend of the underground, Crystal Ball, who, who, a former director of Fish and Wildlife for Bonneville, who really thinks these types of land acquisitions can be beneficial to communities like ours. It's work that's going on, investments that's going on into our community. Um, there's probably going to be some professionals going out here and having to like uh, watch this, and they're gonna, there's going to be money coming into our community to, to to do this, good stuff, and it That's happens like there's all sorts of them happening and uh, across the region every year. Uh, I didn't actually know. I didn't pay close enough attention to this before. Uh, before actually, Lindsay sent me this article, or uh, Crystal Ball mentioned it in prior interviews uh, with Public Power Underground. But now uh, you know. Now I know, and now I know to look for these. Yeah, you easements. can look at all, look at them all. And there's also uh, like fish restoration projects that uh, they do, the land management stuff, um, all sorts of different investments Bonneville does in the Fish and Wildlife Program, which is what our program costs are going to. And, you know, to really bring this back around, Crystal Ball emphasized that the Fish and Wildlife Program costs are not a big inflationary risk in the post-2028 contract. Uh, she believes that that big risk in the post-2028 contract, when it comes to fish risk, is really in the hydro operations. Y'all remember that interview? That was a great interview.
0: That's because Crystal's really great.
2: I mean, She is great. Very knowledgeable. Do you remember I that interview, listen to that. I don't even know if I saw that one. Oh. oh
0: okay, you too.
2: Ian only <laughs> listens to the ones.
3: I don't know that he actually goes back and listens after that. Because it may have been one he was actually hosting. It's
0: oh, I was gonna to be like, he only listens to the one he hosts, but maybe that's also not true.
2: <laughs> those are the ones you. I'm least likely to listen
0: to. <laughs> he was like, I lived through that. I, <laughs> yeah. I did it once.
2: Once is enough.
3: Yeah. I actually find these like I, I didn't just do it for Crystal. I think it was it's it's good to know what's going on in your community. Oh,
2: especially Yeah, and I partner.
3: sorry, I just
1: passed that along to KC. Um so she can follow up on it. She's Always on top of that stuff in Fish and Wildlife, uh Fish and yeah. Wildlife World.
3: It's probably uh only really news for Public Power Underground because it's Clatskin IPUD service <laughs> territory. And this is a co-production of Clatskin IPUD and clearing up. uh but you know, take the opportunity when it comes. Yeah. And yeah. I'm pretty sure Crystal Crystal's gonna like this episode because uh, we talked about it.
0: <laughs>
3: well, we
1: appreciate uh. the comment about the 2028. Uh, contracts, which is something that I've been spending a lot of time talking to folks about, too, because I cover a lot of public uh, or power preference customers. Uh, so trying to get a, a feel for where they're at, what their concerns are. So again, If you have any thoughts, contact me at decatchpole. This is great for Dan. So,
3: uh, (laughs) Crystal nominated Kieran Connolly to come on and talk about the operational risk, but Kieran has been dodging it. Uh, He's it report like. So sources say. I don't know how to frame this, Dan, but he may be open to coming on after retirement, maybe. Uh mm. may pressure him a little bit more, Karen. This is a really fun, fun conversation we can have. But guess Wait, what? I'm, I'm putting a preview. On notice. <laughs> Next episode, we're going to be interviewing administrator John Hairston. Uh, From public power underground and he may get questions about fish operations risk in the post 2028 contract well so
1: i'll say so my conversations so far that i've had which have been on background so that folks can talk more candidly like i said i'm really just trying to get a good landscape or good feel for the landscape to make sure my as a reporter that i'm as well educated and informed as i can be as i actually go into reporting the stuff like the bpa white paper that's scheduled now for uh March, I think, yeah, um, and uh, I have not heard so far from the folks I've talked to. Uh, fish and wildlife costs are not like, and they're always a concern cost, right? But they're it's not like one of the top things. They're they're like, oh, they need to bend the cost curve on this to use an Elliot Mainzer term. Um, so I think I think they're feeling what I'm hearing is a bit more confidence from folks from customers, BPA customers, about. Uh, Bonneville's management of those costs
3: I would wonder what our PPC uh, insider has to say about that commentary <laughs> um, but maybe we can't uh, say here in this forum <laughs> I didn't say that uh, without not Irene worried. Uh, yeah so exactly. maybe i'll have
0: to consult my general counsel about that
3: yeah maybe on background uh pbc could provide something to dan to <laughs> we could,
0: we could yeah. chat with dan i think i can find him at, at dcashpole yes you on can twitter.
3: Yeah. Yeah, you <laughs> there you tag go. him in a tweet irene you could <laughs> tag him in a tweet uh, is irene on twitter you think no? i
0: don't
2: believe she is believe, but that's not really get it started
0: mind. there so you go we'll remind. do that yep all right paul typewriter we're moving on to our next one ian you are up
2: Chevrolet has joined Rivian, Ford, GMC, and Tesla in plans to release an EV pickup truck. The 2024 Chevy Silverado EV will feature up to 400 miles of range, 664 horsepower, and up to 10,000 pounds of towing capacity based on the RST model, which retails for $105,000. If you don't have a truckload of cash to drop on an EV truck, the base model WT work truck will retail for $40,000. With more modest performance and fewer bells and whistles, presumably.
0: So, does RST stand for really special truck then? Is that what it
2: is? I didn't look into that, <laughs> but I think that's uh, a really good guess.
0: I, I think Why, that's probably what they went with at Chevy.
3: <laughs> what's up with this? Because, like, the the Rivian's the R1T. What, what's up with the R? What's I don't get the R for a truck. I'm missing something.
2: Hmm. T like- definitely means truck. Yes. All right, we're a third of the way there, guys. Yeah, we're a third of the way
3: there. I am wondering if the work truck is going to have roll-up windows, the window cranks, um, because yeah. I believe that every work truck should have window cranks. Um, and no what,
2: radios, lest your employees waste time on f- such fl- frivolous things.
3: Well, I Maybe, actually think yeah. it should only—it's—it's it's definitely no CD. Yeah, I think uh, it's just
0: AM/FM. Actually, it's just AM/FM. Yeah,
3: no Bluetooth, obviously. Mm-mm. No,
0: no. No I mean. plugins or anything like. You get, you know, you get your AM, which basically means you get what public radio. And there you go. <laughs> That's
2: right. Crank Fair enough, I I know you're wondering, but that uh, the body is not actually based on the Chevrolet Avalanche. Despite. Yes, I was wondering. Very that. Similar. It really. They kind of recycled it there. I mean, <laughs> act- so the it's actually not even manufactured in the same factory as the uh, internal combustion engine. Yeah. One version of the silverado it's manufactured on the same chassis as chevy's uh their hummer truck Hmm. yep so
3: it's a narrower chassis from what i read is do you read that too ian it's a little bit narrower than Hummer.
2: i didn't read the whole article so
3: holy cow ian (laughs) you can't admit that (laughs) <laughs> wrote the lead you didn't read the whole article
1: uh,
2: I, I skipped so it can I,
1: I, I, i'm gonna quickly jump in here to change the focus past ian not <laughs> reading the whole article like i'm one
3: to help me out uh, yeah don't worry Ian. I'm, we have I'm, a whole section called tldr but we're supposed yeah, to read these um in the actual vehicle article what a, at the kicker? The kicker that Ian didn't read because he didn't read the whole thing is it's got a two forty volt outlet uh, in the bed of the in the bed of the truck, so you can plug in another electric vehicle. This is vehicle to vehicle charging right here. Go, uh, I, go, jump your buddy.
0: I like the part where it's like, provided you have the right cable. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> They're like, oh this yeah, you're does. gonna need an adapter for that.
3: <laughs> this guy does. Yeah. Electric it's
2: vehicle like, charging. Yeah, the, it's just an outlet uh,
1: on the cord that or at least the aspect of backing up your home is actually in some of the promotional material for the f-150 at least yes. i don't know about the mm-hmm. silverado but they explicitly put that out there as uh, part of their marketing material. i
0: haven't seen a commercial for the uh silverado yet but yeah i've seen the f-150 commercial and it is in there that you can just plug your house i mean plug your house in but yeah
1: yep uh by the way i this is not confirmed but I've heard that there's going to be uh, an electric model of the Canyon
3: arrow coming out in the next year. I don't even know what the Canyon arrow is, but it felt like it, but a, but that is a deep Simpsons dive.
1: <laughs> nope. From, I haven't watched the Simpsons in like 20 I years. <laughs> the Simpsons in so long. Yeah, no, I, it got kind of went off the rails there and I, you know, didn't have time for it, but yeah, uh, in the, like still is it still 90s. on the air? Is it? Still I think on the so. Yeah, I think yeah. it is. It's like the yeah. longest running, at least animated show possibly. Like anyway. it might be
0: the longest running show show now. Yeah.
1: yeah, like the non like not counting shows like the Tonight Show or that kind of stuff, mm. or like Meet the
0: yeah. Boss, like sitcom uh, feature sitcom. shows. Yes. Yeah,
1: um, yeah. There's this thing where uh, Krusty the Clown they endorses the Canyon Arrow. It seats twenty five and smells like a steak.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll put that in the show notes for sure. <laughs>
1: yeah, there we go. Link in the. Show. <laughs> All
0: right, we are gonna move on to our next story. Paul, you do the typewriter and I am up. All right, after a year hiatus, the California Independent System Operator has resumed the Extended Day Ahead Market Stakeholder Initiative. The Extended, Extended Day Ahead Market Initiative, or EDAM, is focused on developing an approach to extend the ability to participate in Kaiso's Day Ahead Market to EAM entities. The official relaunch was marked by a November forum that included panels of CAISO executives and EIM entity representatives discussing EDAM principles and concepts that would guide the development of the market. To facilitate and accelerate the development of an EDAM proposal, the CAISO has created three working groups to work through several foundational elements of the market design. The three groups will be working to develop market design proposals for supply commitment and, and resource efficiency, transmission commitment and congestion rent allocation, and finally greenhouse gas accounting and costs. Each working group will meet for two hours twice a week for a total of six meetings and 12 hours of weekly EDAM meetings. Beyond the working groups, additional topics that are fundamental to EDAM, such as governance and price formation, will be addressed in parallel but separate stakeholder initiatives. The mini work streams will lead to a pre- preliminary EDAM straw proposal expect- expected in late spring 2022. Special thanks to PPC's own Director of Market Analytics, Mike Lynn, for summarizing this news story.
3: It's a lot okay. of meetings. It's a lot of meetings. Who who from the region do you know, Karen, that's gonna engage in this for us? It'll be Mike. Uh, do you know other personalities from the region that are gonna be actively involved? Any
0: I do not. And I mean not endorsements.
3: Wait. Mike from Klatskenai. Who's Mike? <laughs> no, Mike. Uh, Klatskenai can't uh, can't dedicate people to yeah, the no, I process unfortunately. So, <laughs> Mike Lynn, Mike Lynn from PBC. Yes. Oh, right, oh, right. To yeah. summarized the
1: story, okay.
0: yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I know it'll be um, Mike and Lauren on our side and uh, I don't, I don't know specifically anyone like off the top of my head. I apologize.
3: No, I mean, yeah. that's, uh, uh, I mean, the Jamie Tart of public power has more important things to do <laughs> than, than follow Edam. That's for sure. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a big, it's a big left, Uh And you highlight in here all of the various things that have to get tackled to make this actually work. So, um, I hope Mike, uh, wish Mike all the success and, uh, look forward to him continuing to summarize <laughs> yes. these stories Good for luck us
0: and, <laughs>
3: uh, April 15th is the proposed date for a straw proposal and comments on that in May. Yep. Uh, so we got, we got a lot to look forward to this spring.
0: It's gonna be busy. It's
3: gonna be a very busy. Huh. Spring.
0: Yeah, it is.
3: Any other insights on this Ian or Dan?
1: I don't have any an, an well, Ian. I don't have an insight. I've got a question. So Ian, if you've got an insight.
2: Nope. I'm just uh down. watching and waiting.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh so I even though I made a prediction earlier as a journalist, I try not to make predictions. Uh so I'm gonna punt this one to you guys. I'm curious, yeah. Um and I feel like if there's any time to make a prediction it's in the you know uh, the new year's first first uh, episode of the new season new year uh how long until the northwest is part of an organized market
3: uh, I'm not going to prognosticate that prognosticate that I'm sorry I think yeah. the more the, it's very interesting on like what organized market like SPP's market plus yeah. that's initiatives going on edams going on um, and what type, like, so uh, do you mean an RTO, like a full regional transmission organization or just some uh, enhancement to the energy imbalance market, like a day ahead type of thing? Um, I, so well, not, just yeah, prognostication. Not beyond, n- yeah, beyond more than day ahead though, a, a fully full organized market or yeah, uh, of some sort. Yeah, with uh with like reliability dispatching integrated in. Uh I I I think that was probably if I were gonna prognosticate, I would say post twenty twenty eight. Like you aren't getting there before a new contract with Bonneville. That's a prognostication that uh has no grounding in reality. And maybe we should get somebody smarter on to talk about that exact topic. Um and I I, might know some people. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Karen knows some people. Um We've had, we've had Therese Hampton on before and now she's, you know, and back in a consulting role, maybe she'd actually come on and give us some, some actual mm-hmm. like hot takes. Now that she's moved on from PGP, some hot takes. Those, we'd love those. We'd love some hot takes.
0: Yeah. Okay, Dan, we're gonna move on to you. So Paul typewriter and then go Dan.
1: So uh, PG&E this year wants to drop a whole mess load of containers with solar arrays attached to them uh, in, around California to set up about 20 microgrids or remote grids, I guess as they're calling them. Uh, so that will allow the utility to take out distribution lines, hopefully reducing wildfire dangers and to these remote communities uh, also provide greater Uh, reliability, resiliency in the face of wildfires and, and snowstorms. So providing the uh, containerized systems, I forget what they called them. Uh, The containers with solar panel arrays is a, uh, let's see, what are they called? Uh, I had the name in there. box power. Believe yeah, Box Power, based out of Grass Valley, California, where news data colleague Jason Fordney lives. Uh, and they
3: another area that got hit hard by all the snowfall. Uh, uh, a place where Jason Fordney got stranded during yeah. the most recent or, uh, yeah, winter snowstorm. That, uh, there. Excellent article that is currently in California energy market. Shout out to Jason uh, yes. for braving the storm in the Sierra Nevada's. And apparently it sounded like going off on a string of
1: curses about his uh snow plow that was not doing the job. He's
0: not plowing from what it, it's Yeah, not so plowing <laughs> his
1: quarter mile driveway. Yeah. And it sounds like he just let off a string of expletives in front with of his, his daughter who, who his, her retort was, "Dad, this is supposed to be fun." <laughs> it's all just fun, dad. Uh, yeah. It's all just all fun. Have children. Which, yeah. Do, 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 Snowfall, yeah, when the snow's out, Go play. Yep. Um,
0: That's the only thing to do.
1: Yeah. I I mean, as he said, you had to plow the driveway or nobody was going to get in until the spring. But uh, so PG&E, they're going to be setting up these microgrids. Uh, Some community choice aggregators are partnering up with them, including Snow McLean Power and Snowman Mendocino counties, uh, which they hope to have, Snow McLean Power hopes to have its first remote grid, microgrid up by the end of the year. So pg e set up their first one in the wake of the 2019 Bryceburg fire, which took out a distribution line running through a high fire danger area to Bryceburg, California, serving all of five customers, which um, uh, wildfire danger aside, I just would think costs. I don't know the cost of these container systems, but definitely have to think there's uh, some cost benefit maybe a potential upside with taking out the distribution line, uh, installing the microgrid. you know one thing so I this
3: article comes from uh, it was on RTO, right Insider. RTO Insider, um, something I did not know about until a conversation with Humira last week. I'm embarrassed that I did not know about yeah, RTO Yeah, you work Insider. in this industry, right? Um, <laughs> I do. I do. I work in this you industry. Do you write about RTO, news stories sometimes? <laughs> R, RTO Insider. It's like nobody was like kind enough to share with me, hey, there's this great news source. You should sign up for some newsletters. I, I think, Insider. well, you're so well
1: informed and so on top of things, I think probably everybody just assumed that you yeah, know about it. Don't assume my and I, I don't. I, Unlike many of my comments on this uh, show, I mean that very sincerely and not sarcastically. Okay, sure you do, sure, sure you do. (laughs) So one thing I I, uh, wanted to go follow up on that I did not understand uh, is it says in the story that the system is expected to be 89%, is expected to provide 89% uh, renewable energy per year or up to 89%. So if they're taking out the distribution lines, where are they getting non-renewable energy
3: from? Um, Come on, man. Read the, the, this is They actually have a propane generator it, on site. So part oh, of the okay, box right. is like, it's the control configuration, right? Oh, for all sorry, of the, I that part. the microgrid. And then you got solar panels and then you have a propane okay, generator. That makes sense. Because I yep.
1: mean, hey, as they always say, sometimes
3: the sun ain't shining like at night. Yeah.
1: Uh, and so, all right. So box power and PG E are able to control these, monitor and control these grids via satellite. They've got a wild, uh, or fire suppression system with it, uh, for the container, not for wildfires. They've, they did not install wildfire suppression systems throughout.
0: Thank you for that clarification. Yeah. Well,
1: you know, I just, <laughs> it. the devil's in the details, right? <laughs> it is in the details. Sad. So, uh, yeah, interesting developments. I, I, Find microgrids always fascinating, um, you know, and something that we will be talking about more and more. Uh, is, I think, especially some of the work, not PGE. and E. No, well, not to say that they aren't doing interesting work, but in addition to PG E, the Northwest's very own PGE, uh, Portland General Electric, has been doing some interesting work with microgrids, uh, you know, to set up and look at. Um, I think providing more resiliency. So not just reliability across the system, but focusing on prioritizing resiliency
3: among uh, parts of the grid. Yeah, I really like this idea of the containerized uh, microgrid setup where you can put your, Part of, I mean, a lot of the work is in foundations and stuff like that in the control building and places to make sure the battery and design and all that. So if you can do some of that design and building uh, in a centralized location for with, in a shipping container and then ship it out there, it's uh, I think it's a really innovative way to do this. Um, I, I found it also interesting, pg is hoping to do 20 more of these remote grids in yeah. 2022. That's uh, a significant... Significant movement. But if uh, only like five customers are on one of these, it's also not very many uh, total customers getting served in this manner. I don't know that Jason is going to end up uh, on PG and E microgrid. He's going to have to stay off grid.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. what that's what I was going to say when uh, you guys have already brought up Jason many times. But the episode I did with him, and yeah, he talked about uh, uh, his microgrid or off grid that he has at his uh, house, and I was like, "Oh, this seems like something. Bring Jason back. Has get his opinion on this." I'm sure he has one. So,
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, yeah. uh, he, he continue to have that conversation with him. Ian, they talk in here about the capital, like you, they expect to save on the levelized cost of energy um, over the life of, instead of installing a distribution line. Did you do any back of envelope calculations on how much you think this actual system actually costs if it's going to end up being about the same, maybe a little bit less?
2: I, that was that question for me.
3: It was. That was uh, for you. I'm just going to put didn't. you on the spot. Um, put you on the spot
2: quickly doing the back of envelope calculation for five customers. And they've got, (laughs) it looks like 27 kilowatts of capacity of round the clock capacity. Like, Hmm, that number divided by five is not that much capacity per customer.
3: Yeah, it is. I was trying to go through the numbers and it is not like it, it probably does limit the homes service. Like it's not like you can have. A whole bunch. You probably don't. You probably can't have an EV. Actually, nobody's charging. An EV. <laughs> I was
0: gonna say there will yeah, be no crypto being mined at this no, location. <laughs> no crypto mining.
3: No crypto mining. Uh, it's it's batteries and it's it's solar. Interesting.
0: Okay, uh, Paul. Last news story. It's uh, it's for you.
3: Think about having to explain to your kid or a parent tell their child where Santa goes in the summer because the Arctic summer ice cap is gone. Dan tackled the topic after NOAA issued another gloomy update to its annual Arctic report card in the December 17th edition of Clearing Up. Links in the show notes. Uh, we actually talked about this a little bit on the holiday special uh, going yeah. back. It was a great episode. And uh, COP26, part of the what came out of that is modeling that can actually attribute more of these winter the, the extreme events to... Uh, to climate change, um, and that being an incredibly uh, you know, helpful way of analyzing modeling how this will all change going forward. It's not great.
0: OK, we're going to take a quick break and then come back to TLDR our way through the rest of the news. Take it away, Paul.
3: Public Power Underground is brought to you by the Northwest Public Power Association. At Northwest Public Power Association, public power is life. For 82 years, Northwest Public Power has supported public power utilities and other associates in the greater Pacific Northwest by offering education, training, communications, government relations and services like RFP and job postings. In addition to public power, what else is important to NWPPA? Local control, member needs, integrity, and quality products and services. Today, NWPPA proudly serves 155 member utilities and more than 325 utility industry associate members. Learn more or register for a class at NWPPA.org. That's NWPPA.org, where public power is life. Thanks, Paul. Now, Short Circuit. This is Short Circuit, where we TLDR our way through some news leads. I'm Paul Dockery.
0: And I'm Karen Heim.
3: And And we're we're short 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 Circuiting. In Northwest Fish Topics, the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife will spend the next five years monitoring non-native fish in the Mid-Columbia. Scientists hypothesize the unwelcome fish may be eating large numbers of juvenile salmonoids. But efforts to control them have been minimal due to lack of knowledge of how many salmonid smolts they consume.
0: In news from the region, fire officials in California determined that PG&E is to blame for starting the Dixie Fire, which consumed more than 1,300 1300 structures after rampaging for several months across five counties in Northern California.
3: The finding came just after a judge overseeing PG&E's probation for previous negligent-caused fires said he is considering extending the company's probation.
0: Uh, Vista and Chelan have linked a, a deal that provides Avista Vista with carbon-free capacity that will be needed as it winds down its stake in Coal Strip. The 20-year deal is, a, is for a 5% slice of Chelan's Rock Island and Rocky Reach hydro projects.
3: This is the third slice deal between Avista Vista and Chelan. Avista Vista says they will need to secure additional capacity prior to the closure of another coal-emitting resource in 2026 and plan to issue another RFP in February.
0: Out of California, the California Energy Commission proposed $4.8 million in grants for electric vehicle charging infrastructure projects in the rural areas of the state.
3: In personnel news around the region, friend of the underground Robert Cromwell has joined Umatilla Electric Cooperative as VP of Power Supply for their Hermiston-based utility. Congratulations, Robert.
0: Congratulations, Robert. Next, news from the Potomac. Senator Joe Manchin suggested that he could come to terms with the climate and energy portion of a 10-year budget bill that Manchin said he opposed in its current form last month.
3: Buried in California energy markets, Quick bites. Uh, Gaff Energy at the Consumer Electronics Show that kicked off January 5th in Las Vegas introduced a new solar roof product that the company says is the world's first nailable solar shingle, trademarked as the Timberline Solar Energy Shingle.
0: The Timberline solar energy shingle has a depth of less than a quarter of an inch and integrates with traditional shingles for a uniform look. In September, the product was the first to achieve UL7103 certification as both a residential roofing product and a solar energy product.
3: That's as short a circuit as we can wire this week. Thanks to our production partners, News Data, for letting us use their leads, and thanks to Ian for compiling them. Now back to the crew to close out the episode. Let's try it one more time. And this was <laughs> short-circuiting. Short Circuiting. <laughs>
0: short-circuiting is called short-circuit. Yeah, I may maybe, maybe, (laughs) maybe do you want to try that again?
3: No, that was perfect. I really enjoyed it actually.
0: (laughs) And don't forget to come back next week when we find out what Chris Allen said we should call that segment. Uh, Any new stories in there that y'all want to dig deeper into?
3: Any compelling ones, Ian? Uh, No, not
0: even the shingle. That's super cool. Well,
2: (laughs) I'm I'm like, all right, it's you can only nail it in certain spots, right? How accurate do I need to be?
3: Yes, it's probably gonna take a little bit more than uh, your normal nailing techniques for a shingle, okay? <laughs> Ian, you aren't just gonna be able to go like like that. <laughs> He's like, probably gonna <laughs> have to like, oh, the nail you're goes right. here in this Here so rotation. as to not yeah. break
0: my expensive shingle. <laughs> well, now, probably
3: not gonna be able to use an air nailer either. It's probably, you're probably gonna have to use like a screw or something. I would think it's probably marked to
2: where it's like, do not hit here. Well, even normal shingles, there's like, you know, a two inch area that you gotta, you gotta be somewhat accurate.
1: I'm really curious what, what it looks like when you nail stuff.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> what does your roof look like?
1: Uh, well, and that's the other question about this. Like how, how handy do you have to be to install these? I'm curious. Is this is something yeah, I assume do there's... on their own. Do they have to hire a professional
0: contractor? Is it a different contractor, like a contractor yeah. plus that is all a roofer plus uh, a solar panel uh, installer?
3: Because I mean, they've got to do the electric hookup. Yeah, it's the electrical hookup is what I am most curious about. That's um, I'm I'm very I wonder how th- that happens.
2: And whoever's nailing the shingles is going to have to wire the shingles together in. Parallel or series or whatever.
3: That's where I think there's probably innovation here. Can you imagine a tar, a sheet of tar paper where your oh. like metal strips are just embedded, right? And yeah. then you just, all oh, your nails have to go into the right like, certain spots. That's mm.
2: that's just what f-
3: I kind of problem yeah. solved in the 30 seconds we've been talking about it. Uh, that's a good idea. But there's probably like a way to do that with the uh, underlayment. Mm. And Gaff Industries actually underlayment that I used on the Hobbit Hole. Uh, so I'm familiar with their products. They make high-quality products uh, that are very good at keeping water out of hobbit holes if you are looking for those types of things. So
0: do you need that? Yep. Also... Podcast
3: Industries, please call us about sponsorship.
0: <laughs> exactly.
3: <laughs> yes, <laughs> reach out to NewsData. They're in charge of sponsorships. Um, also, Robert Cromwell uh, is very exciting. It's uh, They are... A load following customer with a lot of tier two obligation, and he's going to be responsible for procuring power supply and a new, an entirely new power department. It's going to be fun. He's going to hire some people. Robert's good, good people. Very uh, excited to go work for him. He's good people. I kind of want to get him back on the public power underground. Maybe we'll try that. Bring him back. Bring him back.
0: Okay, Wait, that's all the new. Oh, go ahead.
3: Harding, can I just add
1: two things that came across my transom right before uh, we went to record? This is a great spot for it. Short to ground. Yeah, this is very short short to ground. I'm just just doing (laughs) headlines from uh, Oregon Public Broadcasting. They've got a story. U.S. greenhouse gas emissions jumped in 2022. Not great, but also a headline from uh, the Energy Information Administration. Solar power will account for nearly half of new U.S. electric generating capacity in 2022 per their forecast.
3: Interesting. Wow. That was the right spot for it. Thanks, Dave. That was great. Very short to ground.
0: <laughs> Very short circuit. We'll get there. <laughs> one of these times. <laughs> okay, that's Yeah, exactly. That's all the news we're covering this week. Our next episode will be recorded January 24th and published on January 27th. It will include, as Paul already previewed, an exclusive interview with BPA Administrator John Harrison. To make sure you don't miss it, you can sign up for an unintrusive newsletter with links to all the ways to consume this fascinating content at publicpowerunderground.substack.com. Otherwise, you can subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks, uh, Dan, for joining us. Thanks, Ian, and thanks, Paul. You are all valued and appreciated.
3: So are you, Karen?
2: Oh, thank you. Very much oh, appreciated.
3: I I love coming on
2: here. Uh, it's a good times. All I right. found out the answer to a very important question. RST means Rally Sport Truck. Times oh. Rally Sport
0: Truck. Okay. As as previously stated, we were a third of the way there. So, <laughs> but I like my really special truck better. So, okay.
3: Well, uh, really yeah. spendy. Oh yeah, one
0: that's a good one too Dan mm.
3: R1T it must be the Rivian one T truck R <laughs> R1T is the Rivian right Yeah it must be the like Rivian version 1 maybe love it an anyway
0: Anyways okay as always send any news questions opinions corrections or complaints to paul on twitter at at a power manager or if you're a friend of the underground or have compliments and well wishes you can send any of us a note you don't have to be subscribed to news data to get this podcast but it sure makes a lot more sense if you do that's all for this week thanks for tuning in
3: on. Roll on. public power underground roll is a production of klatskin ipud and news data the views expressed here are own and not the official views of klatskin ipud news data or the organizations of the guests also appearing on public power underground public power underground is public power and public power adjacent news from a power department's perspective it's written and directed by klatskin ipud's power department led by me paul dockery and it's edited and published by the stellar team of pioneer utility resources led by associate producer sarah Wooden. Our theme song, Roll On Enthusiast, was rewritten, performed, and recorded by Aaron Gillery and Ian Bledsoe. Public Power Underground for electric utility enthusiasts. Public Power Underground, where you're valued and appreciated.